and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 118. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Enterprise's first season episodes, Dear Doctor, Sleeping Dogs, and Shadows of Pajem. Here we go. Dear Doctor, Season 1, Episode 13, Production Number 113, Original Air Date, January 23rd, 2002, Directed by James A. Contner, Written by Maria Jacquemitain and André Jacquemitain, Music Composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Kelly Waymeyer as Elizabeth Cutler, David A. Kimball as Isak, Christopher Rydell as Alien Astronaut, and Carl Wildergott as Lar. Now that the Enterprise crew is communicating regularally with Earth, Hoshi observes that Dr. Phlox is getting more letters from home than anyone else. Phlox has been corresponding with a human medical colleague named Dr. Lucas, who is now serving on Phlox's home planet, Denobia. In his letters, Phlox shares his observations of human behavior during their first deep space venture. What about the mink? I've been studying their genome as well, and I've seen evidence of increasing intelligence. Motor skills, linguistic abilities, unlike the Balakians, they appear to be in the process of an evolutionary awakening. It may take millennia, but the Mank have the potential to become the dominant species on this planet. And that won't happen as long as the Balakians are around. You know, this episode, I had remembered this as being my favorite episode of season one, and... Uh... I think it's going to hold up for that. I really like this episode. To me, this episode is um, this episode is exactly what I really love about Star Trek. You know, everything I love about Star Trek is in this episode, and and, <laughs> and vice versa. Um, you've got good character stuff, obviously. You've got stuff that gives us insight into multiple characters. Um, you've got the purpose of our podcast here you know uh what's this episode really about and does it hold up does it really have something to say i think this episode asks very interesting questions and really interestingly 700 plus episodes of star trek on television i think this kind of i think this one actually has kind of a different question most of the time even the good episodes we we hit upon uh themes that that uh previous trek has covered you know um because there's, there's only so many things sometimes it seems like but i think this actually comes at like uh, the prime directive from a just a different enough angle uh that we've never really seen it before um and it's interesting of course that it comes at it from a pre-prime directive angle but but also kind of the aliens you know the flocks is non-human uh, interpretation. We get a bunch of, of of stuff kind of along that line. Um, I really like the stuff between Flock. I mean, I've talked also about just how much I love Flocks and 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 Billingsley's performance is my favorite character in the show. I think, and his performance is generally my favorite. His performances are generally my favorite performances. But um, some of the stuff with his character on this in this episode in particular, I love the stuff between him and um, Cutler. That scene, whenever he's like. Um, trying to explain to her, you know, when she, when she says, you think this is okay that the Velokians are um, exploiting the, what are they called, the, the mink? Um, and he says, well, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a different culture and, and 
you 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 need to try and look at it from kind of more like their point of view. And he talks about how he has multiple wives. Um, and, and he says, does that surprise you? I, I thought maybe you were interested in me. It's one of the reasons I'm mentioning it. Um, and she says, no, no, that, that was right. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's a simple little scene, but it's, it's done really well. The writing's very good. Um, I, I, I've got plenty to say about this episode, but um, I just, I just really like it. Is it like the visitor good? Well, no, I'm not talking about that, but, in that crazy nutty echelon of like two or three or four episodes ever, you know, the visitor inner light, that sort of stuff. It's to me, this episode is like, is the notch below that. And that's pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. What are your guys' first thoughts here? Um, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was an excellent episode. Um, it reminded me a little bit of a next gen episode with data where he's writing letters to that data's day. Data's day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of, um, yeah. you know, the correspondence. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah, it's um, it's very interesting. Uh, I I really liked Flox's observations on human behavior. Um, you, you mentioned that specifically about um, um, Cutler, you know, and Flox, and he was trying to explain to her that that's that's on most cultures this wouldn't work. They'd be warring with each other, and they found a way to kind of live coexist peacefully. Um, so it's not really for. Judgment, really, I guess that's kind of where where he was coming from. As more as human beings, we could just you know we don't think any anything out of the ordinary to us could be is unusual, and we question it. Yeah, I um I really like this episode too, and and, it, and there's just so many so many things we could address that are interesting. I mean, you have you know Flox's character, you know Flox is maybe my favorite character on Enterprise. Um, the the like you've already addressed the whole relationship thing that's that's fascinating, and uh, and then you know obviously the Archer and uh, the different views. Archer is of course on the on kind of one end of the continuum with as far as humans in terms of you know how much how much uh, meddling <laughs> do I think is justified in, in these kind of things. And, you know, Flox comes from a different, different culture on that. And that's interesting too. You know, and it made me think too, talking about what's always so fascinating, of course, so often the characters that are aliens are the ones people gravitate to, not always, but are often a focus, you know, because yeah. they provide this commentary on humanity, but also specifically when you're talking about relationships. And of course we saw this with data a lot in next gen um, I think, you know, it, it's kind of sometimes those moments and, in, in, you know, if you're like if anyone's like me out there where not not the not the ladies man, you know, I mean, I never you know, I wasn't like the, the player or whatever, you know, I barely could fathom how the whole thing worked. And so you see you see these things from an alien's perspective and you appreciate that. You're kind of like, well, see, I'm not alone. People it is strange and unusual and you know, it's hard to get your head around how this stuff works. As so all that stuff together, there's there's a lot going on. It's it's great. I enjoyed it. Yeah, if if females had apparently what the, you're saying that the female denobulin females have pheromones that are so strong that it makes it very obvious if they're <laughs> to you or not, that would have made life a little bit simpler. Yeah. That, that would, yeah. <laughs> I could go for that. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, the, the, the one thing that, that the only, only negative comment I have about this episode, it's a very, very small one. It's not even a big deal, but it always does. It, it puts a smile on my face because it seems cheesy. Yeah, uh, when, when Archer's walking around the whole Prime Directive bit, mm -hmm. you know, it's like someday we'll come up with a directive, <laughs> and maybe this directive will be of prime importance <laughs> to us. 
<laughs> Enterprise, Enterprise, I think as a series would be better if they left that stuff alone more than they did. Yeah. There's, I mean, yeah. they, there's there's a later episodes, of course, we'll yeah. counter. There's oh my goodness, you know, just. Would you, what would you call that backwards swap. foreshadowing? Yeah. If they just swap the word directive with anything else, I mean, that's what right. made it feel cheesy, you know? I mean, either, yeah, either you're a Trek fan and you get it already, or right. you're not, and this is just like, what is going on here? He's yeah. just rambling on. But, you know, so if they wanted a, to make it, if they yeah, wanted to keep it in our center, they could have just said there'll be a memo. <laughs> <laughs> get the memo. <laughs> you know, that's another thing, too. Yeah, I talk about the different reasons I like this episode, and it does, it does, it, it's supposed to be like it's a Flocks episode, but we really get stuff about other characters. Not only do we get info and learn about the other characters, but you know, generally the episode, the, the character the episode is about, that character is the one that goes through the learning process and changing. But mm-hmm. this is a very, very, very good writing, very smart writing here. Yeah. We get that with with Archer as well as as Flocks in this episode, because mm-hmm. um, the first scene when when Flox is telling him that he's already come up with a cure, which is I, that's a really good, really good scene. Um, Archer says to hell with nature or the hell with nature or something to that effect, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Flox has to, you know, offer his his analysis and his opinion. And then Archer stays up most of the night thinking about it and he comes to the decision you know that that Flox is right, and as Archer puts it, we're not out here to play God. You know, I, I mean, I can see how, how that would be an incredibly difficult decision. And, and you know, we joke about him saying someday we'll have a directive. You know, but part of the prime directive is to make it a little bit easier for captains. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to have that guilt of not helping out. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's, so take, it's been taken out of their hands, right? You know, um, so he doesn't have that, uh, and, and in a way, that's kind of a that's kind of a micro version of what this entire series was supposed to be. Uh, so when we when they have the chance to do it, it, it you know it 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 makes for interesting television. Um, so that's another example of what I think this episode does so well, and, and that we actually see Archer evolve. Uh, and then his evolution informs um, Fox, not just about Archer, but about humans. Um, it's interesting, too. One of the things we get from this episode is just how much both Phlox and T'Pol view humans as so, not just emotional, but um, empath- empathetic. You know, mm-hmm. like there's the scene with Phlox, uh when they're watching watching the movie. Him, he, he and Cutler, um, and he's he says something in his letter VO about it's remarkable. Even fictional characters, you know, elicit this sort of emotional reaction. You know, and then later we get that scene, also a scene I like. You know, when 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 Flox feels he needs some help on his from his alien perspective to see if he's reading Cutler correct, and he asks the only other person, you know, the only other you know, um, solo alien on board to Paul, who so he has a certain sort of kinship, and he asks her uh, about her thoughts. You know, and here's here's my point. Um, I think they both see humans similarly, as far as they're emotional. They're so empathetic with 
the way, the way they respond to these situations and they always want to help and, and archers you know he's committing all our we've only known these people 24 hours and he's committing all our resources to try and help them whatever they both see these facts and interpret them very differently yeah to flocks it's it's to, to Paul, it's 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 a negative. To the Vulcan people, it's a negative. We see to Paul evolving on that, but definitely to the Vulcan people, it's an it's it's a negative. Um, but for Flox, I don't think I'm not saying it's some huge positive, but he he finds it very interesting, and and he thinks it's because it's makes because it's how he sees humans being different from some other species that makes it interesting to him, because it's the differences in species that he finds fascinating. I also think it adds a little bit of a little bit of an extra feel good to this episode because especially when stuff is going on in the world and that's that that makes you think man there's a lot of not so great people out there doing not so great things you got this feeling because you're because you're you know living through the all the characters of you know thinking like well you know humans can be very empathetic you know every, you know stopping and caring about other people and getting the, you know I, I think it adds a little bit of like kind of a feel good element to it. Yeah, you're right. You know, that's there's nothing really sad in this episode except for, you know, seven million people dying or whatever. <laughs> sure. But yeah, you know, they're not humans. So. No, but but it does have um, for such a serious episode, it has a lot of of levity, not in the forms of jokes, but in the form of yeah, like you said, feel good stuff. I like that. I like that sequence when um, Color, you know, is saying good night to him, and you know eventually kisses him on the cheek and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So well, the whole I, opening the whole opening sequence when he comes when he comes in and he's, you know, going through all of his different animals. Um yeah. the teaser. Yeah, that was a great sequence too. You know, we get to a very different looking sick bay than we've ever seen in Star Trek, but full of little animals and creatures. It was kind of more you know, kind of like an old school um, sick bay, really, you know, all the sick bays we've see, seen before are, are you know, gadget oriented. His doesn't seem to be as gadget oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like that sort of nothing really happens in that teaser. I kind of like that. Well, it's I like everyday know. life, you know? Yeah. I, I've talked a lot about how I, how I like that as a, as a trekker who goes on the journey. And I want to, I like just the, the idea that this is a real living universe, you know? Um, I, I, I definitely enjoyed that. I'm not sure I'd want to see an hour of that, but <laughs> it's a, it was cool to do that as a teaser. I think it's interesting, generally speaking, these unusual perspective stories, you know, like, okay, I'm writing a letter to somebody and, and you know, there, there's a number of different examples we've seen in Trek and, and, and in anything in film and TV, uh, you know, whenever they take this choice. And I think it's the judicious use of this is good. I mean, you know, obviously one could overdo it. I mean, if you had something that's constantly every time it's like narrated over the top and I mean, there's whole TV series based around that, you know, and, and it can get tiresome, but I think that's kind of a a double whammy one two punch when you got like good writing and then you do it from a so let's emphasize this by by forcing the perspective through this character so you kind of get their thoughts because you're not otherwise you're not going to get it unless you have like unless thought bubbles popped over people's heads or something you're not going to get though some of that stuff you know yeah. and, and that just kind of accentuates it i i was thinking that we actually see the doctor he's writing to later in the series maybe i'm remembering that wrong i, I don't, I don't recall yeah. we'll find out up. yeah i guess so um, what's this episode about? I think we've... Well, no, actually, we didn't. We said it definitely is about something. We didn't talk a lot about it. <laughs> so what's this episode about? 
Well, I think we've gone through a lot of it in in our discussions. You know, it's um about different pers- perspectives of humanity. You know, not human. I don't even think that's a word of humanity. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, the, that's a small part of it. I think we'll get into the meat of what it's really about in a second. But yeah, I kind of the different perspectives of how humans react and interrelationships. Um, we get that kind of that insight from flocks about all the the different characters and the dynamic that they have, at least to him. Yeah, I think I think it's because you definitely see different perspectives on this issue. It's kind of like the 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 ambiguous nature of the responsibility behind power. You know, the, when you have power to influence, the, how um, you have to be very careful with that, and how and how it's, that's not a simple question. It never is a simple question. You there there are always there are always large issues that you that have to be you have to be very careful with that and i think through seeing the different perspectives archers foxes you know and then the the aliens and so on and and you know i think we see those all those different sides yeah a very good episode yes yes i like that um i like that that to paul you know when archers thinking about what to do he says we you know about we could stay and help these people and to Paul says something like uh we stayed to help the humans 90 years ago and we're still there mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and 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 archer again showing that he is evolving uh that he is growing is probably a better word well i guess it has a connotation to it but i mean it as a positive thing um he's he says i'm i never thought i'd say this but i'm starting to see uh, understand how the Vulcans must have felt. Yeah, big for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. got that after what they wanted warp drive from him, right? Right. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, a really, really good episode. And uh, my memory being this was in like my top five favorite episodes for the whole series and my favorite episode for the first season. We will see if that holds up. And I've had... I Write it at down. Least, yeah, yeah. I believe I've had two separate emails from listeners uh, since I've said I remember liking this episode a lot, saying that they disagreed with me. So hey, feel free to write in and tell me why I'm wrong. But I think well, all we're three all of, wrong. Yeah, sounds like all three of us liked it. So I guess well, we're all wrong. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's move on to six degrees for dear doctor. Oh, uh, Adam. Yes. Carl Wiedergott plays Lar, the Mank who uh the Mank orderly that shows flocks that the Mank are smarties too. In Voyager's third season in the episode Warlord, Wiedergott played Emeron, one of the people that the warlord Tyran uses as a host. Name a member of Voyager's crew that also played host to the Warlord. Um, would that have been Kess? You are correct. It was Kess. Steve, mm-hmm. I'm giving you a hard question. Mm-hmm. I just realized that. Sorry. Right. Otherwise, otherwise, I would have given you guys multiple or random. Anyway, Alex Neville plays the mank that is very interested in what Phlox is doing when he looks inside his body. In the 2009 Star Trek film, Neville played the shuttle officer that initially refuses to allow Kirk aboard the shuttlecraft. He changes his mind when McCoy tells him that Kirk has acquired a disease from what? How did he? How did Kirk get infected? Not how did he actually get these symptoms, but 
what did McCoy tell him? <laughs> okay. You yeah. don't have to be super specific, but if you're close. Oh gosh. Yeah, I remember the sequence, but geez. Um it's an allergy? No. Adam? Um how he acquired his illness? Yes. Um sexual encounters. <laughs> that would be a good one. He said it was a Malvarian mud flea bite. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, a bite. If you said bite, I would have given it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Adam has one. Stephen has none. Moving on. Sleeping Dogs, Season 1, Episode 14, Production Number 114. Original air date, January 30th, 2002. Directed by Les Landau, written by Fred Decker, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Michelle C. Bonilla as Buka and Vaughn Armstrong as Klingon Captain. Hoshi's target practice with Reed is interrupted when Enterprise drops out of warp to investigate a Class 9 gas giant. A probe is launched into the planet's massive atmosphere, and to the crew's surprise, it detects a disabled alien vessel with several bio-signs aboard. DePaul, Reed, and Hoshi are dispatched in a shuttle pod to investigate. When they board the shipwreck, Hoshi recognizes the writing on the bulkhead. It's Klingon. I think I might have made a tactical error dealing with the Klingon woman. I asked her for help. She could see that as a sign of weakness. I've been boning up on your Klingon psychology? We've run into them three times. Every time they've wanted to destroy us. I'd love to figure out why. Well, maybe the best thing is just to steer clear of them. Well, that might not be so easy. And we could use our help right now. Sleeping Dogs. Um, Adam, why don't you kick us off on Sleeping Dogs? Sleeping Dogs. Um, interesting mystery on who the, <laughs> who the aliens are until about a, what is it, about a third of way into the episode. Kind of, they kind of. I like. It's, it's. I guess it's kind of obvious to any viewer. I don't know. Maybe not to everybody, but you can kind of see the outline of a Klingon vessel both times that they barely show it. And it's, I don't know why they kind of just had to tease that a little bit. I guess so. There wouldn't be any question. They'd go down there and check on this. On yeah. This vessel. See, they. You know, they see the Klingon writing once they're on board, and they realize, oh, it's a Klingon. But if they'd asked me before they even <laughs> yeah. left, I would be like, yeah. that looks like a Klingon ship to me. I helped them out, but they didn't ask. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. What well, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know why they kind of went with that little story. You know, that little tease there. I don't know. Anyway, they did it. So once we got through that, they're on the ship, and then it just kind of becomes a, you know, a, you know, a race against the clock to get them out of there. It's kind of got like a, kind of an old submarine type feel to it you know with them sinking into the depths of this gas giant i think they did that once in um deep space nine isn't it one what they or maybe it was a nebula there i mean i can't remember anyway um it's an entertaining episode um i liked it i don't know exactly how strong it's what about is but um i thought it was an entertaining episode well you know you mentioned like the ticking clock Mm -hmm. i thought the ticking clock it, and and I think this episode is fine. It's not, it's not bad. It's not awesome, but it's 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 solid. There's enough character stuff there, especially between Hoshi and Tapal and Reed, to satisfy me. But one of the thing, one of the areas in which I think it's it's a little subpar is like the ticking clock. 
because you'll have you'll have a scene you know, literally um the ship is crushing they're freaking out the three of them are on the ship we have an exterior cg shot of the klingon's ship's uh hull crushing and then it cuts to archer having a calm little chat with with trip did you know this about the 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 uh, Klingons? Blah 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 blah. Oh yeah, that's interesting. You know, it it, it kind of breaks it for me. Well, it's kind of funny. You, you, are they in? If he's talking, if they're just he, they're just sitting in his quarters and he's just reading up on Klingons. You know. Yeah, yeah. When you brought you brought up that little bit scene when he was reading about the Klingons, I'm like, why wouldn't he have read about the Klingons already by now? Got a lot of time out there. Anyway, get, go ahead, Brian. Yeah. Well, no, that just but that generally is happening. It even happens with them on the ship, like. Hoshi says she's nervous, and T'Pol sits her down to calm her. Um, I don't know. It, time just sees, it seems when when you when you're gonna die any moment because this, the the ship is gonna drop down a little bit more and be you're gonna be crushed. I don't know. Would they be taking time to calm each other down? I, I don't know. Maybe, but it was it was just the. That was my one complaint here. Is it, it? It felt weird frequently, like they would be, "Oh my God, we're about to die," and then, "Hey, let's just take a minute." <laughs> yeah, I would. I would agree with you on that. They, like I said, when I mentioned the ticking clock, that's kind of. I mean, it's what they were trying to do. But I see what you're saying with the pacing. It didn't really feel like they were under as much pressure as they were. Steve, what are some of your thoughts on this one? I agree with what's been said so far. I mean, I think it's it's not bad. It's entertaining and stuff, but it's just kind of, it's uh, yeah, it can get a little convoluted, and it's hard to buy the um, the clock, as you said. And uh, um, also, I felt a little bit like the it's like the the Hoshi wanting to prove herself just kind of comes back to the earlier that early episode, like the second episode or whatever, and it felt like that too. You know, it's I mean, it's fine. It's just. How many? How much host she want to prove herself? Do we need? And I don't know. But uh, if if the scene where she went to Archer and said she wanted to be on the away team, if that scene wasn't there, I don't think at least it would have affected the episode to me in any way. Yeah. It might have yeah. even made it better because I felt like uh, we'd already been through some of that. Yeah. But it's not. It's not that it's bad. It's just. Right. Right. I mean, it's got it's got some moments that are kind of, you know, creepy and I, you know, it, it's entertaining. It's you know, it's not. You know, it's just it's kind of a, it's kind of neutral. I mean, I don't really feel right. much about it. We got to see a Klingon kitchen. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I I did like some of the mystery at first, as far as you know, you see all these Klingons down, and they say something about a virus or whatever, and then you see the Klingon coming out, sneaking around. You know, like what's going on? How 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 is she okay? And that some of that stuff's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh. I, I gotta say, uh, who, remember that show? Oh, uh, hang on here, just for a second. I think it was called America's Most Wanted. Mm -hmm. What was the, Walsh? Right? What was the guy's name that ran did this show? Walsh, something Walsh. John Walsh. Yeah, it's Jay, John. Mm -hmm. Jay, John, John Walsh. When 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 Archer was talking to the Klingon in sick bay, boy, he sounded like John Walsh to me. <laughs> really? <laughs> Think about John Walsh the next and on that the next okay. time you watch an Enterprise episode. He really sounds like him. Hmm. It's, it's kind of freaky. I was waiting for him to say some different things in that scene. It's just weird. Okay, um, hey, what did you guys think about them having Reed have a cold the whole episode? I don't know, just because 
just seemed like a kind of random I time. See, I thought I thought the I didn't see it. the point. Yeah, they didn't go anywhere with it. Yeah. This is, it's like an everyday thing. Oh, okay, he just he's just when he says, you know, uh, Flock says, well, you're not going to give anybody a cold as long as you're wearing your your suit. And then the second they get on the ship, they all yeah. take off their helmets anyway. Yeah, so it negates that. And... Yeah. So yeah, I wasn't sure about that. But again, not bad, but. Here's our recurring theme for this episode. Not bad, but you know, <laughs> it didn't make any real difference. Um, so, hmm. I know it can. It didn't fit the pace of the episode, but I, I, I did kind of like how Archer approached the cleaner. You have to kind of. This is kind of what I thought about. Maybe you could stretch it for what it's about. Kind of tr- changing your perspective of thinking and thinking like. A Klingon, so he had to kind of learn about it and not think necessarily as he had before. I like well, the ideas of those scenes. I don't know if they're how strong they were though. I really like the last bit. Um, you know, when the Klingon captain says surrender your vessel or something, um, and Archer says fire one shot and I'll blast you right back to where we found you. That's a yeah. that's a good line. He he obviously delivers it with some relish. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so you can't hear that without putting, getting a smile on your face. I don't think. So that was nice. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's definitely fun to see. Satisfying. The humans, you know, it's like okay, obviously very limited exposure to Klingons and starting to get get that feel of okay, here's how you deal with it, you know, and that's fun, you know. So if if a lot of this seems blasé to us, it's probably too strong a term. I I enjoyed watching this episode. I didn't think it was bad. You know, um. well, I think that's kind of a little bit of the difference between that I'm starting to see with Enterprise as opposed to other series. the the pa- The pacing is a little bit more modern. I don't think you know, I don't think Enterprise holds up to you know today's shows that we have today, the pacing wise and structure wise. But, but I mean, but you're saying it's, it's more modern than say Next Gen, or correct? Yeah. And so yeah. some of those episodes that might you know be blasé story wise, at least they have enough action and pace going that it kind of keeps you entertained i've kind of noticed a trend with that with with these episodes i'm not like oh this was kind of i'm i'm not i haven't really been bored yet watching mm-hmm. an episode of enterprise uh, yeah so. I, no, I see your point uh, that's a good point of course it makes me think what in another 10 years are we gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to start our podcast from scratch and rewatch all the shows <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, and I think as we've kind of we've kind of discussed this a little bit with enterprises that w- what does seem to work best is you can have that kind of thing. You can have uh, you know where it's okay, it's it's just moving along. It doesn't necessarily have to be a uh, you know the morality play or whatever. But when it does that, you really want to see some character development. You know, if if they if you don't really see some interesting and something new with character development, it it gets to be this kind of thing where it just feels like whoa, none of this matters. What happens? You know, there's got to be some kind of progression or something. Well, I you know, and I think Shadows of Pajam, the next episode we're going to talk about today. I, I'm going to complain a little bit that it felt like the, the, the whole episode narratively was set up to give me character development, but kind of didn't. Mm. But I found the episode very entertaining because it's got some good action. And, right, right. You know, yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, what's... Uh, what's Whose episode is Sleeping Dogs? Is is it somebody's... Is it, a, is it an Archer episode, would you say? Or is it a, is it a Hoshi episode? No? I don't, a little bit of an ensemble piece here. 
but but focus may have helped at least in terms of defining what it's about because you know early on you think well Hoshi okay something's gonna you know she's gonna get somewhere and all this and then it just kind of goes away and you know so I I don't know I mean, well I mean the two characters that do kind of grow in this episode are Hoshi and Archer I mean you know at the end we you know kind of see Hoshi just kind of let's fire all the torpedoes she's just kind of guns all yeah. out mm-hmm. yeah. That fear's kind of gone, and then obviously Archer, on his approach to dealing with the Klingons, he had to change there and kind of change we a learn, little bit. We learn a lot about Reed's character. He once went to a spa in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> it was apparently really nice. Well, you know, we're seeing we're seeing T'Pol very quickly adapt to um, human culture. Um, you can kind of see her, you know, getting closer. I mean, obviously, she had that moment with Hoshi. Even at the end, she doesn't mind getting him another 30 minutes in the spa. Hanging out. Well, what's this episode about? What is Sleeping Dogs about? You know, I, I, another thing that held the episode back a little for me. Um, it's funny, whenever I'm doing my six degrees research, right, to ask these the questions, I always think, like, like in this case, for example, as I was watching, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a hard one because the woman playing this Klingon is not I – mean, she's okay, but she's not remarkable. And I always know now, like, she's unremarkable. They're not going to bring her back. She's never going to do any other Star Trek. <laughs> sure enough, yeah, she didn't do any other Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so that's something that um, that held it back for me too is I, as I found her performance rather unremarkable and forgettable as a Klingon woman. It was a very stereotypical Klingon performance. I don't even know about that. I don't know. I just I found her forgettable. But anyway, um, what's this episode about? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I tried to say it was kind of um, about changing her perspective to deal with different aliens. Um, I mean, yeah, thinking you- outside the box. Times, I you could do, yeah, you could do a little bit of that, like taking some chances, like going outside your comfort zone. You know, if you follow the Hoshi thing, you know, and I think that's that's I think it's fine. You well, know, it's and just, Archer too. Archer modifying sure. his actions to be more Klingon. True, so true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Of course, you know, it's interesting that if he hadn't, if he had just given up or, or and or failed, what they were doing would have saved his three crewmen. It just wouldn't have saved um, the Klingon vessel and the Klingon vessel's crew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So nothing for what it's about. That means it maybe doesn't hold up as well. But you're right. I think that the pacing and some some decent, creepy, action-y stuff keeps it moving mm-hmm. enough that um, it was enjoyable to, enough to watch. You know, this this was weird. Like I said, 99% of Enterprise episodes I've seen exactly twice. Once during air and once when the DVDs first came out. There are a few episodes here and there that I've seen more than one, more than twice. Observer effect, dear doctor, stuff like that. But this is definitely one where I only saw it twice, and I didn't exactly remember it. So in in some ways, maybe it being a bit nondescript is is pleasant when you haven't watched it in years. <laughs> yeah, I didn't remember this episode. It's almost either, like a Brian. new episode. Yeah. yeah, Brian, I didn't remember this episode either. So yeah, yeah, but you know, it's almost like getting a new episode, sort of. <laughs> All right, let's move on to. 
six degrees for sleeping dogs. Adam has one. Um, Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Vaughn Armstrong plays the Klingon captain in the ship's logs. We'll see him in the next episode we discussed today, playing what character? Admiral Forrest. Adam, Tucker calls the Klingon vessel a tough little ship. Who uses this phrase in Star Trek First Contact to describe the Defiant? Would that be Riker? You're correct. Adam has two, Steve has one. Moving on. Shadows of Pajem, Season 1, Episode 15, Production Number 115. Original air date, February 6th, 2002. Directed by Mike Veacher. Story by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. Teleplay by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong. Music composed by Paul Belergen. Guest cast include Jeffrey Combs as Shran, Gregory Itzen as Sopek, Stephen Dennis as Tholos, Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Forrest, Gary Graham as Ad- Ambassador Saval, Barbara J. Tarbuck as Chancellor Kalev, and Jeff Kober as Traig. Emil Frost learns from Ambassador Sobel that the scarce Vulcan monastery at Pelgym has been destroyed as a result of Captain Archer's discovery of a surveillance station beneath the sanctuary and is sharing the findings with the hostile Andorians. Blaming both Archer and T'Pol for the incident, the Vulcan High Command decides to remove T'Pol from her permit position on Enterprise and arranges to send a ship to take her back to Vulcan. It's clear that living among humans has caused my reasoning to become compromised. I think I understand. You're uh, running away because you're afraid to become one of us. I am not running away. Then why aren't you fighting this transfer? Alright, Shadows of Pajem. So this is the one um, where I was saying... A minute ago that on one hand it feels like this episode is kind of a setup that they're going to spend the time you know eventually archer takes to paul on this away mission that they're going to spend it kind of getting in deep into their relationship and her relationship with enterprise and the crew and why she should stay and they really don't there's like one scene where basically archer says you know why aren't you fighting this transfer and that's about it now on the one hand It does seem like they're they're saying it's not really necessary to have that conversation because actually T'Pol wants to stay. She just isn't comfortable about wanting to stay yeah. and doesn't really want to, doesn't know how to fight for that because I think maybe she's a little embarrassed about the fact that she's, I don't know, maybe that's too strong a term, but, but that she's happy and comfortable with these humans and um, her position on Enterprise. Um, so it's not like she really needs, my point is, it's not like she really needs much convincing. She already wants to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it does seem like a missed opportunity that the two of them locked up could have had some more interesting dialogue. And I, and well, I, they had I some awkward physical moments. Yeah. I can't talk about this episode with bringing up boobs in the face. Right. Um, right. You know, well, to me, that, I mean, yeah, it, as, it as, seems, as nice as it is to think about being tied up with DePaul, it's just, to me, the whole scene's awkward. I'm like, why are, why are they having just, this? I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I don't, I don't really, I, I don't hate it. It's not terrible, awful bad, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure I understand the point. And it doesn't, and it seems like we've seen them kind of put them in this situation in the last Endorian episode, remember, with the, the, 
the um, blanket just come over here and share the blanket or whatever you know um but of course here it's much more overt and uh you know when i first watched I, I just, these i, I, I thought I they just, were trying to set up a relationship yeah but well, yeah so why you know why would they it's why like, would they yeah it's, so would they have they did they ever do this between i don't know tucker and archer no, but it and if it only happened once between Archer and Paul, okay, I wouldn't I I wouldn't bring it up, but it's multiple times, yeah. This one was yeah, and this one was a long drawn out, you know, at least with the the blanket that's just kind of quick here, curl up under the blanket. But this one it's like it's a whole like seems like two or three minutes that they're trying to weave themselves in and out of these knots and well, and it it couldn't be more like I said overt than yeah. boots in the face. <laughs> exactly. I don't. Yeah. When they shot this episode, they like that seat, that portion, the boobs in the boobs in the face portion. They like ended the day with that, and then the next day they had to start with the same bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just overt trying to, you know, and that that never works really when you say like let's do let's do a sexy thing, you know, or something. I mean, that's what it's like. It's like let's do some kind of. Tongue in cheek, go, uh, you know, you know, they're just gonna come off that is. way. And I, I was laughing the whole time. Or... I was just laughing in a bad way at the whole. But time. is that all it is? You think they're just doing something to, to be kind of humorous, or are they trying to create some kind of tension? Because if it's the former, okay, then it's just okay, fine, whatever, I don't care. It's, um, but if it's the latter, then it bothers me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it is. I think it's a little bit of the latter. Yeah, same here. Sexual tension. Yes. And, uh, Come okay, well the that leads no, yeah that leads nowhere have, with these yeah, two between characters. Archer and Paul you know yeah between the captain and his XO I think that yeah I think I got the vibe that they took every chance they got to do to Paul and anybody you know yeah. you know okay. when they did the series that's that was my vibe on them yeah they took a little bit more advantage of her I think than, than the other series you know at least early on I'm like come on really I mean well that's I don't know maybe that bothers me a little bit less but. I think I think it it feels dated in a way that I don't remember it feeling dated at the time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's not it's not awful. It doesn't upset me. It's not a big deal. But but yeah, I was like, oh come on, you know. What are some of your guys' thoughts about things other than boobs in the face? Um, I like the the first scene with um. Fox and her when you know he was talking to her about how other Vulcans had served on on starships human starships and not made it this far and she'd acclimated very well and that she should be proud of that I thought that was an, an, a nice scene but... yeah I like that scene because especially right before Flux sits down you can tell that she's because she's alone kind of in her in her thoughts there she actually does seem melancholy um, and then as soon as he, he sits down, she tries to put on a little bit more of her normal face. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, Flox can see through it. and She does a good job with her facial expressions, kind of showing that. Yeah, like the, 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 the tiny crack in the door that, uh, that Vulcans can do, she does well. I like the scene, is it right before that, actually, uh, Archer and T'Pol. Um, when he tells her uh, the Vulcans are pissed about Pajem, they think it's our fault, so they're going to take it out on you, and you have to go back. Um, I like that scene. I like I like her performance in that scene as well. 
I knew they weren't. This is another episode where at first I did remember it once it got going, but at first I didn't. So I'm like, okay, I do not remember them going down and seeing some nice Emerald City positive, happy thing, right? So, but I don't remember what happens. So they're going down there, but that's not it. I don't remember. After all that playing it up that um, Archer does with Tucker when they're having a meal. I don't know. So did did you guys feel at all like there was a missed opportunity there between them? It sounds like no. Between um, Archer and T'Pol as far as having any kind of real deep discussion while they were tied up. Um, yeah, Do you guys possible. feel like this was a character-y kind of episode, or or is it just an action thing? Well, I think I think it had the chance to be more there. You know, if it would have had less less boobs and face and more you know meaningful dialogue and and you know some character development tying them together, then we I think we'd be talking about a, a overall well balanced solid episode. And I think instead what we have is something that's entertaining that's got that's that's not bad by any means. Um, and I think it's mostly entertaining because it's got action and it's also got that intrigue of the history. Okay, we'll, we'll see another chapter in the Vulcan and Dorian early days, this kind of stuff. That's cool for, for Trekkers and whatnot. But I think, yeah, I think if they would have done a little more with that, you, you'd had a chance to have a, a more stronger, well-balanced episode. I think what, I think probably what I'm missing out on, Brian, maybe you can say if this hits the nail. Um, I, We don't really learn a lot about DePaul, about her background or anything or why she would even want to be there. So I think that's maybe what I what I kind of felt mm. like I missed out on this episode. We don't, I don't, I don't know anything more about DePaul after this episode than when it started and the fact that she wants to stay on enterprise. So I think there's probably some lost opportunity there to kind of give her a little bit of more background and depth in her character. Yeah. Maybe you see a little more crack in the armor in terms of what, what you know, what's she feeling? She, she's getting something out of this. She's starting to like being around these people, whatever. I mean, you assume that, but you, there's no nothing, no evidence of her or uh, you know, they didn't, And they don't really have to do that with her showing emotion. It could just be like a, a story or something that kind of drives her or whatever. Um, yeah, we didn't get any of that with her. You know, that, that last little beat when she's... Um, Archer says something like, well, she says, you should have consulted me before arranging for me to stay on Enterprise. And he says, well, uh, Sobek is still around. You could probably catch him. Um, and then she says, no, that would be violating the doctor's orders. You know, it's similar to a little, when when she says something about, no, turning around now, it'll be wasting fuel uh, when they're yeah. flying down to. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it's fun because it's like, she's a very smart woman, obviously. She doesn't think that she's actually like fooling Archer. Yeah, but it is, so she knows she isn't. So it's like obvious, makes it obvious to us um, that she has enough of a relationship with him that she feels okay letting him in on her own desires. Mm-hmm. You know, even though she isn't, she isn't comfortable enough with them to really do what she should do to keep herself happy, i.e., fight the Vulcan High Command's recall. Uh, but she is comfortable enough with Archer to let him know her desires, and if he can, if he can, you know, find ways of helping her out <laughs> without making it obvious to the Vulcan High Command, then she's kind of okay with that. You know, it's funny because 
that little moment is the kind of moment that I'm just like, yeah, that makes me want to watch this show. It makes me want to watch the next episode. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the end of our last episode for the day, so I know I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna watch it again for two weeks, but otherwise I won't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a nice that that little moment just made me want to watch the next episode. Total side note that makes me remind remind me. Do you guys? We do our podcast every two weeks. Do you guys like? actually you know watch the three episodes over the course of the whole two weeks or do you do it just the second week because i always that's what i find myself always doing and now basically i take a week off i don't watch any and then i watch them the, the second week when we record and that's so what I, you guys do yeah i do i do that yeah yeah I, usually a couple sometimes i have to i don't like to do all three at once but i try to do so i did two last night and one the night before that so one yeah. saturday night yeah, the specifics vary, but it's certainly the second week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it, when we started this, doing it biweekly, I don't, I don't think I think that part of the reason was so that we'd have lots of time to watch them. <laughs> this doesn't work out because I can't remember them well enough to. <laughs> right. So I I try to take I, the more notes I take, the longer our discussions, and we always go over. So I try to I try to be more judicious in my note taking. Anyway, that's inside baseball that nobody cares about. <laughs> okay, uh, so. It's nice getting Jeffrey Combs back, of course. Um, I, I don't know that we add much to his character, but he's great. His character's cool. Um, good action. If it, if it, if his name wasn't in the opening credits, uh, I would have been surprised to see him. You know, that was it would have been kind of neat, actually. Um, but his name is in the opening credits, so I spent the whole episode waiting to see him. <laughs> You watch the credits? Oh wait, no, that's not that's the theme song. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, Shadows of Pajem and Sleeping Dogs, I played through the opening. I did because uh, I watched them on the in the the private theater at my hmm. post house at my job, fifteen foot screen. Well, it's fifteen foot. Yeah, it's very large. Um, fifteen seat theater. Um, and I usually watch the title on one of the episodes. Well, once I, once I started, the Blu-ray player is back in the is in the projector room, so I can't I can't like easily chapter forward. So that's why I watched one. By the way, on that big of a screen, the 720p effects really look lower res. <laughs> on my 65 inch 4K TV, they look like yeah. Didn't even have to be on that big of a screen. Oh yeah, was this your first podcast since was this, or no maybe no, this the second. Like the second yeah yeah yeah. Steve got a new TV, everybody. 65 inch 4k yeah i'm fancy i'm really pleased with it. i mean it's one of those things there's a balance between yeah it up converts well but because of the size and all that too there's also the you can tell the the quality of stuff a lot easier but anyway yeah but yeah it's it's, it's enjoyable it's good cool catching all your royals games on the big screen mm, got one on now actually nice what's shadows of pajem about Finding your true place and staying there. Um, you know, I, I didn't really, uh, nothing really just popped out at me, so it didn't make it in my notes, I guess. But um, 
I mean, obviously, this centers around the fact that even though it's primarily an action episode, it does center around to Paul and that she's going to leave and all that, too. Now, we've already kind of alluded to the fact it had been nice to maybe have a little more meat to that and discussion around that. But, you know, yeah, I can see that and I can see that it's like you said, Adam, but, um, but I, well, I mean, that... I, I think, yeah, I think that's what we kind of found. That's kind of weird about this episode. Mm-hmm. We all know she wants to stay. Everybody knows she wants to stay. She just has to convince herself to stay. So mm-hmm. there's really no surprise in the outcome of this episode. And I, I think they lost out on an opportunity to at least give us more depth on her character, or at least show some sort of more dramatic change in her character. Because I think if she, at the start of the episode, if she didn't want to stay, and then by the end she did want to stay, that would be a, a growth thing. But she wanted to stay the whole time. I I like that they keep pulling on this this thread though, and they don't just let it go, because it reminds, as far as, um, that she was only supposed to be there temporarily. Nobody planned for this to be for such mm-hmm. a long term assignment, um, and that it's a big deal for a Vulcan to be on. A human this, ship. This human vessel for so long. You know, we've had that bit before. Remember her hus or husband to be that wrote the letter or the family mm-hmm. wrote the letter. You know. She is making sacrifices to be on this ship and um I like that they keep kind of bringing that up because it if, if they if they did it once and let it go, then it wouldn't even be it's not it's not really a big deal. You know? Doesn't that whole marriage does that get settled in the fourth season? Yeah, they 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 have a multi-episode arc that deals with it. Okay. Um, the last thing I want to say about this one is I actually like some of a uh, trip taken command. I like some of his command ethos <laughs> and choices. Mm-hmm. Sick of being cut off, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know he doesn't take him long to decide not to give the Vulcans the info he has about where the shuttle is. Mm-hmm. Although now we know. Later, we learned that that was a setup. So, if they'd given the Wilkins that information, <laughs> remember they said mm-hmm. if you'd gone yeah. to the shuttle craft, shuttle pod, uh, they would have been killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that 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 cut that scene kind of made me laugh. It's kind of like you know, when, don't you want to go in stealth? And they're just kind of just walking down the the street, <laughs> like that's like it wasn't a very stealthy operation. They just kind of got jumped, and I don't. This made me kind of laugh when I watched it. Yeah, I I didn't understand how trip goes that when they when they start their rescue uh, and trip goes up to the whatever the aliens are called the i don't remember the name he goes up to like the guards and he's like hey how's it going you want a drink or whatever I'm like wouldn't shouldn't they've been like oh my god an alien <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's kind of that 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 stereotype you know it's like all guards seem to be willing to drink on duty i mean you know yeah, have a drink yeah. but anyway Hey, Trip had a hood on that made him alien. Right. You know, well, you know. All right. All right, sure. Okay. It was dark. He had a hood on. How would they know? He said he wasn't an alien. <laughs> no, he I'm not an alien. And it's like, oh, whatever. Nothing wrong with this drink. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> Six degrees for Shadows of the Gem. Uh, what is our score? Uh, Adam has two. Steve has one. Mm-hmm. So, Adam... Are yes. you going first or second? I'll tell um, you right. They're both episode name questions. Haha. Um, I'll go first. Barbara Tarbuck plays Chancellor Kalev, the leader of 
that uh, Tucker finds particularly unhelpful. In Next Gen's fourth season, she played Lika Trion, the governor from Pelar Zell, in the episode that was the first appearance of the Trill. Name it. Steve might take the lead. He's better at episode names than I am. I have no idea. The Trill. I don't know. What would what would have been your next guess? An episode about the Trill. What would have been my next guess? Yeah. The, um, the Parasite? I don't know. Nope. Steve? The host. The host? What? The, the host. host. You're right. Uh, all right. All right. It's tied. Let's see if Steve could take it for the day. Steve. Steven Dennis returns as the Andorian Tholos. He played Venom in the Voyager episode that featured Jason Alexander's Kuros among a group of really smart aliens who offered to help Voyager for a price. Name the episode. Okay, yeah. Um... Think Tank. You got it! Think Tank! Very good. Very good. So, folks, Steve Steve is back from his vacation. He, he was awful. He had a terrible time <laughs> at the resort. And uh, I was I was with Malcolm in a spa in Mexico. And I have completed my move, and uh, I'm very happy in my new house in Los Angeles. So we're all happy people. Um, so uh, we're glad. To get to, I'm glad to get to uh, chat with you guys about Star Trek for an hour after taking, from our point of view, three weeks away off. So, thank you guys. Oh, and quick announcement, Brian. I didn't tell you guys about it pre-show. Um, I'm going to be talking to William Shatner tomorrow morning, so I'll tell you you guys about it in two weeks. So, what what are you talking to Shatner for? He's riding a motorcycle across country, and he's leaving from Chicago, and so we're going to go talk to him before he gets on his bike and starts riding across the country on it. Is it like a charity thing or something? It yeah, just... it's for Legion, some motor, I don't, I'm not really sure. <laughs> All right, cool. So, cool. yeah, that, I saw a picture of the motorcycle. It looks like something Batman would drive, so I'll tell you guys about it in a couple of weeks. Awesome. God, that, that guy is in his mid-80s and he's going to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> from, from Chicago to L.A. That's, that's, that's 1,500 miles, man. Yep. It's like Route 66. That's yeah. That's that's yeah. I'll I'll, snap, I'll I'll throw a picture up on um, Twitter tomorrow. So. Awesome. Cool. All right. We'll have fun with that seed. We're all happy. Caesar has the chat. The chat. <laughs> that sentence got... could sound really bad if they didn't know the reference, Brian. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, folks, uh, thank you for spending an hour with us. And uh, I look forward to talking about the next three episodes of Enterprise in just two weeks' time. So, until then, take it easy. Oh, you don't, wait, wait, wait. Don't take it easy yet. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Check out Caesar's Shatner Twitter pics at our Twitter account handle uh, at trekcompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Okay, now, until next time, take it easy.
fun. I passed it.